Welcome to Tales of Moxie. I'm Desiree. And I'm Jenna Lee, and we're your hosts each week. Each week, we interview women to hear their stories, and we address topics that don't usually get talked about so openly. Be ready for honest and raw conversations about all the things we're struggling with as real women. Welcome to this week's podcast. Today we have Carolyn here, and we're going to be talking about God's will for us and God's not his will, more of his calling, God's calling for us and how, how that looks like to each one of us and how we may perceive it and just kind of the different roles we take on depending on how we see God's calling for us and how we interpret it. Yeah, we asked you guys previously what you guys wanted to hear about and we had done last week's on comparison and then the next one that most people talked about was really finding God's calling for your life and that being a really difficult thing that I think a lot of women struggle with trying to be in line with that or even know what that is or how we know what it is. Um, So yeah, we're really excited. And Carolyn, welcome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You have been someone that has talked with me about this Mm -hmm. before. And so I knew when we did this one that you had to be the person to come on and talk (laughs) about it because yeah, I've struggled with this a lot myself, and you always had some good things to share with me, so I'm kind of excited to get to chat with you. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me here. It truly is a joy to be with both of you ladies and to just have some time to chat about this issue, this idea of God's calling, which is so big in all of our lives. It's Mm -hmm. something that everybody thinks about, at least at some point, Um, and I think that we get confused about a lot, so I think it's really important to talk about it and yeah just be able to discuss it yeah I agree and one of the things that you had said when we talked about doing this was you had asked how we are defining calling so I think Mm -hmm. that's a really good spot to jump in and just kind of talk like maybe what we think what we're all thinking of when we first hear that Mm -hmm. and just kind of go from there yeah absolutely well and I think it depends on your stage of life too you know when we're in we're our like early 20s maybe we're college or we're just thinking about getting married or having kids like calling feels like this big thing this big purpose that we're supposed to do with our lives and gradually as we go on I think it feels different like that changes over time Um, and so I think you ladies can kind of speak to that too obviously you're younger than I am and so you're kind of more at that stage of feeling like you know what am I choosing to do with my life and where am I being called Um, versus me where I'm thinking more of what do I need to do each day that's Mm -hmm. meeting that calling um, rather than trying to find out what it is yeah do you think one of the things that just hit me when you were talking about that was do you think that as Christians calling is different Mm -hmm. than it is for people who maybe are not Christians Oh, 100%. Yes. And you can tell me if you guys agree with this or not. But to me, our our calling as Christians is exactly that. It's to get to know Christ more. Like that is our calling, is to create a life that's organized around getting to know Jesus and discovering who he is and loving him better and loving each other better. That's what our calling is. And so in the secular world, talking about your calling, it's going to be much more focused on your vocation or, you know, how you choose to spend your time. Um, But for us as people who know and love Jesus, that's what we're called to, is to know and love him more and better and to practice those things that bring that about in our lives. Mm, That's true. So as a Christian, I was not a Christian most of my life. I became a believer in adulthood. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But when I became a Christian, to be quite honest, this idea of a calling felt like kind of a burden Mm -hmm. and kind of now I had something that I had to try to figure out and try to live up to. (laughs) And it felt like no one was telling me how this worked like that what you just described of knowing Christ that was not how it was portrayed to me Mm -hmm. and I don't know if maybe I was the one reading into it differently but it felt like God had one calling for my life and I had Mm. to find it and if I didn't find it Mm. then I missed it and I was living out of his will like that's how it felt for me and I spent a lot of time thinking if that was vocationally or if that was like I don't know, I was supposed to ministry, like something like that. Mm-hmm. So what What do we think, I know that that might just be me, but what do we think calling, like when we're trying to describe it now, what do we think most people are thinking when they're thinking of calling, even Christians? Well, first I can totally relate to that same concept because I remember being a college student, being in my early 20s, reading all the books on knowing God's will Mm -hmm. because I thought there was an answer. There was one thing that I was supposed to do and it did. It felt like pressure. Um, But so much of our lives are defined really by two things. One, how we view God and two, how we view ourselves. And so in terms of calling, we need to ask ourselves, how do we view who God is in helping me finding my calling? So I kind of like to think of it as like this um, example of picture yourself standing at a fork in the road, like you're trying to make a decision, whether it's uh, two jobs to to pick or whether to get married, what city to live in, Mm -hmm. it could be anything. But you're standing literally in this road, there's two different paths to go down. Um, And stop and ask yourself, where is God in that picture? Where do you see him? I know for some people, they think he's at the end of one of the roads. And if they Mm. pick the wrong one, he's Mm -hmm. not going to be there. And he's going to say, oh, well, you picked wrong. Um, But that would be a God who um, is not a loving father. A loving, perfect father wouldn't have one exact perfect will for you, but then hide it from you. Like God, Mm. a a loving father just wouldn't be that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know for me, I used to picture it as um, God being very up high Mm -hmm. and looking down on me making this decision. And so all the pressure was on me to figure out what was the best way, what was the right way. Um, But neither of those are really accurate pictures. Like God is standing next to us in that moment. Um, And most of the time, if there are two great options, God's like, sure, pick one and I will Mm -hmm. walk it with you. I will go down that road with you and there's Mm going to be good and bad either way, but let's do it together. Mm. So that's an interesting concept, right? That there could be two paths that are both good. Absolutely. I don't know that I've ever thought that. I'm definitely an all-in or all-out person. (laughs) It's just my personality. So I think most of the times I'm thinking, like, I got to choose the right one. And and I, I feel like I believe that he'll follow me on both, but that maybe there won't be any good or maybe in he the just other won't one. support you in yeah. one of them you make, but the other one he will. Yeah, he's waiting to pick me up from the mess I make on one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, rather than just, like you said, believing that both of these could actually be good. Yeah. But I think that brings about such an important idea, too, that God's view of 
success or happiness or the right choice is totally different than ours. Like we tend to think, oh, I made the right decision if I'm happy and if Mm. uh, life is relatively easy and pain-free and I'm making plenty of money and I'm Mm. healthy, like that means we made the right choice. Um, But God doesn't view it that way. Mm -hmm. Like God has been writing a story of redemption from the very beginning and redemption requires suffering. Like that's part of the story. It was meant to be there. So we might pick a path that ends up involving a lot of suffering, whatever that might look like. And we think, oh, I chose poorly. And God's going, yes, this is exactly what I wanted for you because you are going to come closer to me. You're going to draw yourself closer to me in this process than you would if you chose the easy path. Um, So we have to just remember that our view, uh, our American view of success is completely different than than God's view. That's so true. I've been having this conversation with friends and just on the way here that if I wouldn't have been in the situations I have been, I wouldn't be at the place I am now, which is the best like headspace and the relationship with God that I've ever had. Mm -hmm. And it's like those those were quote unquote the wrong path that I chose, but without being on that path and like I said, redeeming myself through Christ, I wouldn't be where I am now. Yeah. So how do we practically though, for me, who's a head person, how do I practically live this out (laughs) without it being a burden or a pressure or, you know, full on thinking like I have to make the right choice or this is going to be a whole bunch of questions in one, but, or thinking like, I have to have one big thing mm-hmm. that is my thing. Cause that's the pressure I put on myself most of the time is like, well, what am I doing with my life? Mm-hmm. Right. And for whatever reason, like being, we've talked about before, being a mom doesn't feel like, well, that could be it right now. It feels like, no, that's, that's of course I'm a mom, but I got to have a calling on top of that. Mm-hmm. How do we practically live this out without pressuring ourselves well i i love that when jesus is asked what's the greatest commandment it it basically comes down to love god and love other people like that's really what he says Um, and so that can look like a number of different things in terms of what you actually do on a daily basis but that is your big calling like that's huge that Mm. to know that that's the way that you're spending your life is choosing everything you can that loves him more and loves other people more that is a big calling. The hard thing is that it's not an easy like cocktail party answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a, hey, what do you do with your life? Oh, I love God more. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's true. true. It's the thing that you want to center your life around. And so that's why there could be when you're, you know, standing at that fork in the road and looking at two options, there could be two equally great options because maybe you are going to love God more and love other people more either way. And either one is okay to choose. Or sometimes for me, loving God well and loving people well means doing the laundry (laughs) and cleaning the bathroom and knowing, right, knowing that I'm doing the daily things that my family needs in order to to feel loved and to feel secure and to feel safe. Um, So it may not be that I love doing laundry and I was called to do laundry, but that I was called to love my family well. And that's what that looks like today, you know? Yeah. For me, so I'm... I'm 22, so I'm in that calling of, like, I need a big calling mm-hmm. for, like, mm-hmm. my vocation, you know? Yeah. For me, the calling is, like, the destination, and it I have to have a direction to go in mm-hmm. because I need to set up my life. I need to, like, have the end in sight of, like, my goals, you know? And yeah. I need 
the the calling to point me in my direction Mm -hmm. and so like I understand like having like the the general calling of loving Mm -hmm. people but for me it's like when I think of what's my calling it's like what is the specific thing God is telling me to do and like point like the compass exactly that in that path or you're gonna like like miss it you know Mm -hmm. and it's really Mm -hmm. hard for me personally just to relate God's calling with being so broad and so Mm -hmm. general and I do agree with it 100% Mm -hmm. I mean if I lived my life like that I would probably be very very happy and like loving other people and knowing that I'm fulfilling that calling that God has in me and has for everyone but it's like it's it's not specific enough for me and that's Mm -hmm. a hard thing to kind of work out for myself Mm -hmm. and I love that you brought that up because it's true that different personalities are going to receive that in different ways so I feel like once I've kind of figured out oh this is my calling is to just love people well I felt so much freedom in that and it yeah and it brought me such joy Mm -hmm. and happiness and the pressure felt like it was off to you know figure out some you know great career or something um, but a lot of personalities, they're like, well, yeah, that's nice, but give me some rules or give yeah. me some, give yeah. me some steps to follow. And I think there are some really practical things that we can, um, can talk about and things that people can do to kind of w- walk their way down that path. Um, one of my favorite authors is Emily Freeman. Um, and we she were just talking about you? her podcast. I just showed her the podcast because yes. I'm obsessed now. Yes. Um, she has a podcast called the next right thing that Carolyn mm-hmm. introduced me to. And I've been listening to it because they're only like 14 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been listening short. to it nonstop because me and my headspace like needs that kind of thing. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off, but that was yeah. she's been fantastic. Yes, absolutely. And that's that, that line of simply do the next right thing in love um, is really kind of a way to kind of get you through your days sometimes mm-hmm. when you're thinking, I need a next step. Just think about what's the next thing that I need to do. Um, and sometimes it's going to be feel big. Like sometimes it's going to take steps towards creating your own nonprofit, and that's going to feel huge and mm-hmm. big. And sometimes it's drive to school and pick up the kids. You know, it's going to yeah. be different um, based on on those moments and where you're at in life. Um, but that helps us, I feel like, to take something that's so huge and overwhelming and narrow it down and make it feel like, oh, I can do the next thing. Like that, mm-hmm. I can do. Um, as long as I know my goal is, is this going to help me love God and help me love other people? I can figure out what the next step is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's just one very practical thing mm-hmm. of many that we can do kind of in finding that. I wonder if, too, I'm thinking, like, what if we took that word off the table, mm. calling? Um, and I know it's in the Bible. I'm not saying, like, that's not, it's not biblical, but... Like if we took that word off and it was just a matter of what am I, what am I supposed to be doing today? And then seeing like, okay, I'm on this path right now. So for you, you're in school doing specific things and I'm on this path right now. But, and that's what helped me that Carolyn had told me in the past, but today, what am I supposed to be doing today? And like she said, love God and love other people. So that comes in in different ways. And maybe sometimes taking it off is like our vocation is not, necessarily the calling it's just a means to meet more people or things like that like it's it's just a way it doesn't have to be 
the thing mm-hmm. that God's using, you know, that, that we have to do this, we have to be defined by if we're an MRI tech or if we're a stay-at-home mom or if we're an author or whatever. We don't have to be defined by that, but it's just like the tool he uses to give us more direction or more avenues to meet more people and have that be the will. I remember our pastor saying at one time, like, we get almost caught up in our identity becomes the calling instead of just, it doesn't matter if I'm a plumber or if I'm mm-hmm. a contractor or if I'm, you know, working as a secretary, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. That's just a means to use it, you know, that God uses. So I wonder if maybe almost taking like that pressure off of the calling, mm-hmm. you know, because so, I think sometimes we compare callings, mm-hmm. you know, and we get caught yeah. up in like, well, I'm just a secretary or I'm just a stay at home mm-hmm. mom. Mm-hmm. And suddenly someone else out there is like, you know, making six figures or CEO or whatever. And we're like, well, I can't say this is my calling. So then it turns into this is just a step. Right. My calling should be this. Or like I need, like you said, a direction that it's going. When maybe it's like, well, no, right now this is what God's using in my life so that I can love more people. I wouldn't have met these people in any other way. And I love that you brought up the idea of calling in the Bible because it is a word used in the Bible, but most often when we see it in the Bible, it's talking about how God has called us. God did the work. He did mm-hmm. the calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he initiated that. It's not a something we need to figure out when it's described. It's a, a gift of being called to know him more and to mm-hmm. be loved by him because he loves us first every time. Um, and so I think that's really important to remember that in the Bible, it's not talked about as a pressure of you better get this calling right. It's talked mm-hmm. about as a way that God loves us by calling us to him. Um, and it, it just it feels really important to, um, to be able to talk about um, the way Jesus looked at his calling, too. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he had the biggest calling of anybody who ever walked this yeah. earth. And yet every day he was doing the next thing. Um, and he even, when he was giving instructions to people, he never gave them a five-year plan. Mm-hmm. He gave them the next thing to do. Um, you know, he healed a, a man who was paralyzed, and he told him to pick up your mat and walk. He didn't say, here's what you need to do next week. Here's what you're going to do next year. Here's how to find a job. He didn't say any of that. Mm-hmm. He said, stand up and walk. Um, or he raised a girl from the dead and tells her family, make her some food to eat. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, you know, what she needs to do with the rest of her life. It's, mm, but that's let's hard. do the next thing. It's very hard. Absolutely. It's hard because I would love to have a five-year plan. Because mm-hmm. then I'm like, <laughs> I don't have to think about it, right? right? Yeah. But then I guess, like we've, we've, I mean, we might have already said, then we're not, we don't have to be in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Because now we have our five-year plan or we have our direction. We know mm-hmm. the destination. So it's like, oh, now I don't even have to think about what he wants me to do today because I just know this is where I'm going to end up and these are the steps to finish. Right. And we don't have to call on him every day. We don't have to, you know, rely on him because we're like, oh, we got this. Thanks, God. Um, (laughs) Thanks for the plan. We'll see you in five years, (laughs) you know. And so I think that's part of why it's designed this way is because we are meant to come to him every single day and know that he's already there loving us, waiting for us. That's Mm. such a relief. So for those of us like me at times in my life that were like married to what we thought were our calling... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and could not divorce it for the life of me. I mean, I have, in all honesty, I have gotten into some things that I felt like at the time <laughs> I was called to do, which to be honest, I don't like that word anymore because of mm-hmm. that. Um, I felt like I would say 
I've been called to do this. And once I said that, I had to see it through, Mm -hmm. right? No matter what, if all of a sudden it was miserable or it wasn't, I I honestly felt like, no, this is not, this was not for Mm -hmm. me. But I felt like I had to see it through because I had felt like I had said I was called or I had felt at one point like I was called. So how do we distinguish like maybe when something changes Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. letting go of that and knowing now that maybe there's different seasons for different callings? Sure. Yeah. Dallas Willard, who's another one of my favorite authors, he has this great um, quote that says, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. Mm. Because that's what you will take into eternity, is the person that you're becoming. And so if we look at these things that we choose to do, and then suddenly we change our mind, we don't want to do them anymore, we don't feel called to it anymore, um, all of that is okay, because it's still part of the process of who you are becoming. Doing that thing probably helped change you in a way that was important. And then not doing that thing anymore was part of that journey in helping you become who you were, you're made to be, who you're created to be. Um, and so it's okay to kind of let go of the things and allow the, the concepts or the vocations or whatever it is to come in and out of our lives because we know that the important part is who we are becoming as people. It's not necessarily what we're doing on a daily basis. Mm. That makes sense for me. I mean, lately I've been so wrapped up in why I've been very frustrated. I was talking to Jenna Lee, like, I feel like I'm not moving forward. I feel like, I don't know. And it's, I'm relating it now as you're talking is I'm doing all these things. Like I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, but I'm not seeing any progress. And it's been really something that has been frustrating for me, but it's because I'm focused on seeing progress in the wrong areas. If mm. I if I looked internally and said, okay, I'm doing these things, but what type of person am I becoming through yes. this? What's my mindset? What's my mm-hmm. heart set? And like, am I doing these things because I'm accountable, because I'm responsible to do them? Or am I doing these extra things along the way to show mm. people that I love them? Like my kids, spend time with my kids, put my heart into it and like, feed into them and it's pretty much I need to for myself right now look at the person I am becoming and what the person looks like inside that I'm showing other people Mm -hmm. and like presenting myself as so it's been just talking so far has helped me relate it to myself like okay I need to stop looking at what I do and start looking at who I am Mm -hmm. and who I'm becoming and it's, that's so countercultural for mm. us living in American society when the goal and the focus is always what have you accomplished, how much money have you made, what mm-hmm. proof do you have of, of what you have done with your life. Um, and when really Jesus' goal, you know, the, the kingdom goal is, like we said, for you to become a person who loves God and a person who loves others. Um, that's it's so much hard difficult to um, quantify that like you can't Mm -hmm. say oh look (laughs) I'm different and here are all the ways yeah Um, but you can look back and know am I a a different person than I was a year ago or 10 years ago Um, and so yeah I think that's a really important way to to identify Um, so going back to a calling what what God's calling looks for me being young it looks more of like a uh, like my future probably in like I wouldn't say 
exactly five years, but five, 10, 15 years, what's that going to look like for me? How will I be living for God then? And what I'm doing now, what steps I'm taking? And for me, it's like, what career am I going to choose? Am am I going to be making enough money? It's like security, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's also like, am I going to make the choices to put myself in a position that he is calling me to be in at that time in the Mm -hmm. future? So it's not necessarily short term at all, like at all. (laughs) What's God calling me to do? It's like, what's calling, what's God calling me to do now to do in 10 years, Mm -hmm. which is now that I think about it, it's kind of like a huge leap, but I'm still fairly young. So it's like, I'm trying to kind of plan the rest of my life, but Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly how that will work out for me because it doesn't mm-hmm. seem very practical as I'm saying it. <laughs> well, it's funny though, because when I, I mean, I think we've all been there. When I graduated high school, I was like, I have to pick a college major. That's my calling. As yeah. if like my major mm-hmm. was going to define who I was. Mm-hmm. And the major changed like a few times, <laughs> probably at least 10. Um, <laughs> Because I thought, like, that was what was going to define me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that was it. And I didn't necessarily think about it from... I was thinking more on a secular point of view. Mm-hmm. But then when I became a Christian, it changed to what is now calling for me was, like, my ministry. Mm-hmm. And then that word felt daunting because mm-hmm. I'm like... For one, I didn't feel like there was anywhere that God could use me because of my past, which is a whole other yeah. topic. But two, it was like, now it had to become a certain ministry thing. Was I going to help here? Or was I going to mm-hmm. help there? Or what was it? But listening to what you're saying, I was never fully present, I don't think, in the moment. Because I was always thinking ahead. Always thinking like, okay, this is just a step to get to that. Because Mm -hmm. God would call me to something that I would think would be really big. Right? Or that people would think would be really big. Like, I felt like the calling couldn't possibly be just loving my boys today. Yes, I loved them. Mm -hmm. And I walked through it. And I did it. Mm Mm-hmm. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking like, okay, God, where is it? What's Mm -hmm. the big thing that I'm supposed to be doing? Not being completely present and thinking like, okay, maybe the big thing right now is loving Weston, cuddling Weston, who just needs that for a minute, you know? Mm -hmm. That didn't, for some reason, even though I would say it, I, I don't know how many times the words came out of my mouth where I would say, you know, my calling is to love my kids and to be their mommy. In the inside, it didn't feel... Like, that was enough, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. We put so much pressure on ourselves. Um, I mean, all throughout our lives, but especially as young women, when you feel like you have to choose the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can tell you, as a 40-year-old, looking back on the last 20 years, the path is not going to go the way you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how well you think you have designed it or how confident you are that you have picked the one right calling for you, um, it's going to change and it's going to meander. Um, and that's why holding on to that idea of the important thing is who am I becoming and am I knowing God better in this process? Um, that's going to become even more important as, as those things change. Um, and as the path, like I said, looks different than you originally thought. Um, and I know that for me as a a middle-aged woman (laughs) sharing with my like middle-aged friends about this idea of calling their um, response was primarily like, I don't really think about my calling anymore. Mm. It felt huge 20 years ago, and it felt like something I had to have figured out. But on a daily basis now, 
I'm thinking more about um, the person that I've become and whether or not that is the person that I want to continue being for the rest of my life. Um, and if it's not, how do I change that? Because I've got 40 years of practice of being a certain type of person. Yeah. And if I don't want to be that anymore, if there are things about myself I want to change, what does that look like? How do I go about changing that? Um, so I think for a lot of us women <laughs> in more of that middle age time, that's our, a bigger focus for us is less of what is the thing I meant to do versus who is the person I'm supposed to become? And am, am I getting there or am I not? Like, how do I, how do I change that? How do I fix that? <laughs> we always want to fix ourselves. <laughs> mm. And I'm thinking too, like we, like you had said previously, um, the calling is to love God and love others. So we have put that on ourselves mm-hmm. that it's a thing, mm-hmm. right? Like a one, one thing that's our calling. That's, that's our pressure that we've put on ourselves. Right but hard to think like in these moments for us, you know, being like you being 22 and, and I'm, I'm starting, I kind of understand where you're Mm -hmm. feeling a little more because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm at a different stage now in life where the degree's done (laughs) and then you realize, huh, it didn't really Mm. do what I thought it was going to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm not using it, but just like, I really thought that was going to be like it. And now realizing it didn't change all that much. It's still just a job, sure. you know, or a vocation or a career or whatever. But thinking now, how do I live? And my thing is now, how do I live in what he wants me to be doing? So in his will or mm-hmm. in his calling. But how do I live in that now practically? Mm-hmm. And what is what does that look like? Because I don't, right. I don't know always. And you had given me the helpful advice of like you know it changes day to day and asking like what is my calling today mm-hmm. um, but what other things do you like do you typically or would advise on mm-hmm. yeah I, that's a, a big question and an important question um, I there's another author I like named mm-hmm. Shannon Martin and she's coined this phrase um, the ministry of paying attention uh, because it's very much the concept of stopping what you're doing or stopping being in your head (laughs) for the three of us um, and looking around you and paying attention to the needs that are immediately around you um, to the neighbor who might need um, a ride somewhere Mm -hmm. or to the friend who needs dinner brought to them or um, so it's simply paying attention to those little things that are around us Um, and we have become so busy (laughs) in -hmm. in our daily lives um, that it's almost like a badge of honor to mm-hmm. say when you're like, how are you doing? Oh, yeah. I'm busy. Like that's supposed to be the answer. Um, and if you are not busy, if you have the time, then people think, well, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you busy mm-hmm. with the rest of us? Um, but being able to slow yourself down gives you that time to pay attention, to stop and say, what is happening around me? What are the needs of the people around me? Instead of feeling like I got to hurry because I got 30 things on the to-do list and they all have to get done today. Mm -hmm. um, Give yourself margin, give yourself that time. And I know we're not all in seasons of life where we can do that. Sometimes we are surrounded by little children that we're trying to keep alive. And while (laughs) we're also working a full-time job and we've got a lot of stuff that we just, we're not in a season of being able to give ourselves margin. Um, And that's the point we need to give ourselves grace (laughs) to know this is a season. We're going to get through it. Um, And there will be a point when you can choose to be less busy so that you can be available, that you can notice what the needs are around you and give yourself time to meet them. Um, But 
either one, give yourself grace or give yourself the opportunity to meet the needs of others. Um, both of those are, are great things, and both of those are things that are God-honoring, and that's really what we're looking for <laughs> in each day, right? I love that you brought up being busy, mm-hmm. because for me, that's, like you said, I probably do think of it as a badge of honor, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I know nothing actually gets done, but one thing we've talked about before is how, like, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, like, God, I need to hear God's calling, right? But when I'm so busy... I have no time to actually listen. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm starting yes. my day with like, okay, God, I want you to show me what you want me to do here or in this situation or what yeah. do you want next here? And then I've told Desiree, I, sometimes I feel like I've like left God a voicemail. <laughs> and then when he calls back, I'm hitting deny every time because mm-hmm. I just don't have time. Yes. And I'm full on like, and then I get mad at the end of the day because I'm like, God, you never told me what to do. And it's like, well, I'm not going to leave it on a voicemail back to you. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's how I feel. And I'm thinking, and there's times now, and I've cut a lot out, I feel like, in the last even two weeks, mm-hmm. trying to give myself room for that because I feel like there's mm-hmm. big things next coming up in our life. And I want to be able to do what he's wanting in those areas. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't even find the space to just listen. You know, and I think, and I've read so many times how we pray and we talk the whole time, but we don't actually listen Mm -hmm. and like expect him to say something back to us. And that's so me. I mean, I, I don't listen. And so that's been something I've been really trying to do is like slow myself down just to make room to actually hear him. Not even because I am so busy, but just because it's like, that's taken control of even my spiritual Mm -hmm. walk. Right. Like now I'm so busy. I can't even listen. (laughs) How, how am I expecting that to work? Yeah, it's the tyranny of the urgent. We let whatever is in front of us and seems like it needs to be done immediately, we let that take over and take away from what is actually essential mm. and the things that are truly important because we're just trying to, to take care of the, the small child who is yeah. you know asking for something or trying to take care of whatever mess has been made. Um, and we let all of that overtake us instead of stepping back and thinking about what is really essential and how do I order my days around what is truly essential to me in my life? Mm. Um, but that is so difficult as women because we are, um, we put this pressure on ourselves to do it all. We think that we have to be busy and we have to be meeting all of the, the important things. And, and I loved your podcast from last week when you talked mm. about comparison and you talked about how that feeds into this idea that we have to do it all perfectly when we look at social media and we, mm-hmm. you know, look at Pinterest and we see all these ways that we think other people are, are, you know, accomplishing all of this and it makes us feel less than. Um, and so a lot of times we feel, I think as women, that we, we don't allow ourselves to think about us. Um, and not just in the, the, the idea of, um, treat yourself, (laughs) you know, not just the idea of, oh, give yourself a a nice bath or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the, the concept of genuinely taking time to figure out who you are and how God created you to be. Uh, and that can look a lot of different practical ways. There might be other people in your life that can help you speak to that. There might be great books that you can read that, um, kind of help you figure that out. Um, it might be certain personality tests. We talk about the Enneagram as one of those that has been really essential in helping each of us figure out how we were created. Um, but we need to give that gift to ourselves and realize that spending that time figuring out how God created us and why he made us that way 
is not frivolous. It's not a waste of time. Mm. It's helping us to become more of who God made us to be. Like that's our goal is to say, how are the, the, the ways that I'm created, how do they reflect God's image and how do I do more of that? So how, what does that look like? How do we, how do we find how he created us? Because I know if I was listening and hadn't done the work that I had done, I would Mm -hmm. be like, so what, I just sit here and pray that he would show it to me, but then what? Mm -hmm. So how, what does that look like practically? Well, I think for different people and you ladies can kind of share what it's looked like for you. Um, For me, it's really helped to have somebody that I meet with consistently Mm -hmm. who is kind of a step ahead of me on the road and can speak into my life and um, the kind of the ways that they see me. Mm. Um, I know because I was a psychology major um, and I have always kind of been fascinated by the way people work and their personalities and those types of things. But for years... I thought I had to know more about my personality so that I could control it and so I could fix it. Mm. I thought that was the whole point of learning about personality was to change who you were. (laughs) Yeah. And it's only been in the last few years of going through this process of discovering, no, I was created this way on purpose. (laughs) Like I might twist it at times or, you know, kind of mix things up from the way they were meant to be, but I was actually created this way because God designed it so that I would reflect a certain part of his glory. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's an honor and that's a joy. And it's not a burden of fix yourself. Um, So for that, how it looked for me was to kind of be meeting with somebody consistently who um, kind of could give me that, those specifics of here's what I see in you and here's why that's amazing. Not Mm -hmm. here's why, here's how you need to fix yourself. That that is what helped me a lot because... Mm when I started meeting with Jenna Lee and like I took the Enneagram test, I was coming from a part, from a part in my life where I had been told consistently that the way I was, was wrong. Mm -hmm. Just being me, the way I thought all of it. And I, so I was coming from a spot of like knowing that the way I was, was wrong. And I just wanted to be right. So (laughs) someone telling me the right way to be like, that, that's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And so realizing that every God made everyone different. And the way I am is the way I'm supposed to be. And just embracing those qualities about myself mm-hmm. is, is something that's been very freeing and takes the judgment off of me. Because I'm not supposed to be like, like you, Carolyn, or like mm-hmm. you, Jenna Lee. And the ways that we are different makes us unique and lets us bring different aspects to the table and different skills and qualities and after meeting with Jenna Lee I think after about two years is when it really like got comfortable for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) meeting every week consistently and just working through different I guess viewpoints I had about myself and issues and different things that I was caught up on and actually putting into practice and exercising who I was and slowly, slowly working into it is where I found my sweet spot and found my identity. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that it takes time because mm. <laughs> we want it to be quick. You know, we want to have it figured out tomorrow. And if it takes time, we feel like we're doing it wrong or mm. we're not doing enough. 
And we have to remember that God's idea of time is completely different than ours. Yes. Um, and two years to him is like, sure, that sounds great. Let's, yeah. let, let's yeah. spend two years on that or let's spend 10 years on it, or, you know, yeah. or let's spend your lifetime mm-hmm. figuring this out. Yeah. Um, and that we're not in a hurry. <laughs> and I, I honestly didn't go into it with trying to figure out who I was. Mm. I, I was just at a point in my life where I needed help. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I just need someone there. Mm. And through that is when I discovered my identity. Yeah, my I, our, we all have a very similar story on that because we've all done soul architecture, but mine was the same. Once I started meeting with someone every week, I think it is important to say, um, to find the right person, mm-hmm. you know, and someone that you're trusting with that, but that you're also knowing like, this is also my walk. So they might say something that I take to God and go, is this really for me or is it not? Mm-hmm. You know, and knowing that that's okay. There's some room that, you, that that relationship with God is yours first and foremost. Yeah. And it's important to be having that conversation with him. So having someone that is walking you through it is great because that's all how we've all done it. And I also mm-hmm. have spent years <laughs> walking that with someone Um but the person that I walked it with was wise enough to tell me not everything I'm going to say is right. So mm-hmm. find what it is on your own. Go have that talk with God and trust the spirit is going to show you what you need or it's going to show you when, no, maybe that's not for me or that's not me. And find someone, if, if you're doing it this way, if you're you know working with someone kind of, you know, mentoring with them or whatever find someone that you can come back and say you know actually I I think for my personality it's more like this and and make sure that it's a trusting relationship on both sides Mm -hmm. you know and someone that will listen and kind of change paths and be like okay I'm learning just as much here too it's dangerous to get into a relationship like that where that's just them teaching you the whole time finding someone that can learn from you as well and is willing to do that I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. And something that comes into my head too, my dear friend Holly was telling me last week, I guess it was on one of our podcasts, but she texted it to me and said that she texted the quote, meaning comes after surrender. Mm -hmm. And with all of this calling and things like that, that I'm sitting here thinking of, when I was doing the soul work, I think I was looking for a meaning, right? Like I was, yes, my identity, but I was also looking for meaning. And I didn't realize until even when she said that, I was like, okay, that's how it happened, right? The meaning came after the surrender of like, I'm mm-hmm. going to surrender myself. I'm going to go into this and not know what's going to happen because I always need to know what's going to happen, right? And I didn't. And it's interesting you bringing up the fact of like our culture is so take care of yourself, but that looks like pedicures and mm-hmm. bath time and, you and know, shopping, going on a run right? or things like that. <laughs> but it's like... For me, and it sounds like for you ladies too, the taking care of myself was soul work. Mm -hmm. It was, that was the important time. And so if I'm going to invest time in something or money or whatever, I think that's the spot to start. Because right now for me in my stage of life, I feel like I have no time. Mm -hmm. Like my kids are with me 24-7. And that was, I had to carve out time Mm -hmm. for that. And I hear a lot of people say, like, well, I have to carve out time to go to the spa. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. We all need, you know, time like that too. But it's important to carve out the time for your soul work. Because like you said, if that's what we're going on as our calling is, who are we becoming? Mm-hmm. That takes work. It doesn't just happen. And I feel like it's so important to say, like, it takes time. But 
I feel like people get on the road and it is not an easy road. I mean, almost every time, <laughs> almost every time I met with Jen Lee, I was sobbing <laughs> at some point. And it's like, it's because you're, you're working on yourself and it's not mm-hmm. easy to break down these walls that you've built. Um, but going back to the point, people start on the journey and they don't see results from the time. And not only that, it's not something you can look in the mirror and see. And that was one thing mm, that was really hard for me. That's a good point. Is you, you, you meet with someone, you go through all this hard work, you make some good connections for yourself to like work on, and you go through all this really hard time. But no matter how much you change, you're not going to see it in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And that's something, it's not physical, it's not concrete, it's not something you can measure and see, which is something that's really hard. But I have a friend who's who's going through some stuff and she said I just want to be where you're at mm-hmm. and it's like I I really want that for everyone I want but it's like it's really hard when I talk about my soul work that I did it's all positive I can't say anything negative about it but it's very hard like it's a very at growing... the time it wasn't <laughs> no, it was not fun it was not easy it's very hard mm-hmm. admitting these things to yourself that you've had buried and that you truly believe at that time and then now looking back it's like oh that was the best thing I've ever done for myself mm-hmm. hands down was taking that time putting in the effort and then seeing where I am now but it's not it's not something that you could see physically mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, because when you're in the middle of it, it feels like you're white-knuckling it, like you're just yes. barely holding on and you're trying yeah. so hard. And yet when you're able to kind of get through that piece and look back on it, you realize it's actually a process of letting go mm-hmm. and of opening your hands and letting God take the things he wants to and give the things yeah. that he needs to. Um, and it feels very different once you look back on it, but it is hard, <laughs> especially hard. when you're at the beginning of that road to, mm-hmm. to have the motivation to keep going. And, and sometimes it. it just looks like just showing up, Yeah, you That's know, like even if you don't want to go, because for me, there were so many times where I knew, I knew the person I was meeting with was going to push me past my limit mm-hmm. every time. Yes. And I got like so used to that, that there were full on days where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to text him and say I'm not coming today. Because I was <laughs> dreading some days, not because it was, you know, he was awful or anything, but because I knew mm-hmm. my heart was going to get pushed. And to me, the next right thing was just, you know what, just show up. Yes. Just get yourself in the door <laughs> and just don't think about what goes past that. Yeah. Just get yourself in the door. And that was, that was so hard for me. And one point that I was thinking too, so I was thinking, maybe listeners thinking to this, well, how do I find a mentor? Maybe it looks like just being transparent at the beginning to your friends. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're, we're so, we're so, we try to hold things so captive. But sometimes I think if we're just transparent to our close friends that have proven true, that we know love us, that we know have our best interests at heart, you know, that we can be real with. Sometimes the soul work just starts of just being like, here's me, all of me, the parts that I'm scared to talk about, the yeah. things that I don't want to show other people. But here it is. And then that first step of transparency, I think, is where we can start to actually be like, okay, your soul opens up. And now God has, because, you know, you bring light to the dark. Mm -hmm. God has that edge where he's like, okay, now, now you're in it with me. Now we can do soul work. So sometimes it might be a mentor. Sometimes it might just be the beginning crack of like talking to people you trust about Mm -hmm. it and just being real and transparent, you know, and knowing that 
like you said, it's not going to be easy, but if these are the right people and maybe praying about God would show you the people to talk to. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I've prayed that and I've had like you call me and it's like, (laughs) okay, like, okay, they want to know, you know, and I know the personality is not going to judge me, but it's going to love me through it. So sometimes that I think is important to just know, like that can be a first step. Don't maybe put so much pressure on yourself. Cause I know if I was listening to this, I would be like, all right, so now I need a mentor. <laughs> how do I find one? What does that, how do I do that? I don't even know. So maybe that just looks like friends first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that the vulnerability part is, is one of the hardest pieces it and is. to remember that it's going to take time. Like you were saying, like even with friendships. I mean, I spent this past weekend with three women that I just love and feel completely comfortable around and feel like I can tell them whatever I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have that support in each other, but I've known these women for at least a decade. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't that it happened overnight that yeah. I found this group that I felt that way about. Um, so you have to show up every day. Like you were saying, I think you're right that sometimes the next step, most of the time, the next step is simply showing up mm-hmm. <laughs> when we don't want to, when yeah. the fear is taking over, fight back against it and show up. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's step one. Um, and let it, let it take time. Know that it's not going to be easy, but each little tiny step you take is a step down that path of figuring out who you are, um, being able to connect more with other people, um, and then loving God more in the process. Mm. Like that's what he wants for us is that community, that connection. Um, and it's so hard and it it's is. so worth it. And being <laughs> transparent and vulnerable even with him. Yes. Because that's, I struggle with that even now yeah. of being like, okay, I'm, I'm presenting almost my best to him and thinking like, but of all people, right? He knows my heart exactly. Mm-hmm. And I don't just come as transparent. I was listening, I think Rebecca Lyons it was a podcast with her actually. And I think she, I think it was her. She said that the difference between transparent and vulnerable is transparent is being willing to like show people our past mm-hmm. and vulnerable is showing that like them us right now. Mm-hmm. And it's so different, right? Mm-hmm. Like even with God, like we can come and be like, well, here's our past. We've already worked that out. So I can tell mm-hmm. you that I know I was a mess in all those times, but right now, the waters are muddy Mm -hmm. and I don't know what to do with that. Or I don't want to show that to my friend who I know I can trust, but it, you know, it's scary. It's vulnerable. Definitely. Mm -hmm. But it's such a difference. Yeah. We think we can only bring the hard things to other people when we've already figured it out. We can say, Oh, it's all wrapped up in a neat little bow. I used to deal with this, but I don't anymore. And here's how I fixed myself. And now it's done. Mm -hmm. And I'm now I I can share it with you. But it's completely a totally different thing to say, here's the thing I'm in the middle of, and I have no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the answer is. Um, And that's the important thing about being that friend who hears that from somebody else is the willingness to hold that with them and Mm -hmm. to not try to fix it and to not say, well, let's figure out today how we can make you better. Uh, But to just say, yeah, that's really hard. Keep talking to me about that and Mm -hmm. I will be listening. Um, And that's, I think, the most important thing we can do in terms of reaching out and being vulnerable, but also accepting when other people are being vulnerable with us and thinking about what that looks like to accept that and love them well um, when they're doing the hard thing. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Mm-hmm. It is hard. It's hard too. I was in the middle of that. I'm thinking it's hard for me. I tend to back away Mm. when I'm struggling with something, like mm-hmm. you said, so I'll tell him later Isolate. when I fixed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have a dear friend who checks in with me almost daily because um, 
you know, my heart's been in such a weird place lately. And she checks in with me almost daily. And I find myself not texting her back Mm -hmm. for three or four days when I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. And she knows that she'll, when I do text out, she'll be like, so I take it the last few days we're out. (laughs) And it's like, but why is that our our natural tendency Mm -hmm. is to hide, Mm -hmm. you know, and to just hold back and be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm strong enough to do this with, without trusting like that. We need people. Mm -hmm. Like I always think so much how, you know, God is in a trinity. He made it so where he has even community, mm-hmm. right? And people that he needs and trusts. Mm-hmm. Yet I feel like, I don't know why I think that the God of the universe would need that, but I wouldn't. <laughs> We're supposed to fix it on our own. I yeah. Know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and I think that's the important step in being that friend to someone else. Because um, I have a friend who is going through a really difficult thing. And so I told her that kind of concept of, I'm going to text you every day. I'm not going to expect you to respond every day, but I'm going to want you to know every single day that I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you, and I'm caring about this. I'm holding this burden with you. Mm. Um, And if you need to hide that day, it's okay. Maybe the next day you'll be ready to come out of hiding. Um, Maybe not, but just know that I'm there. Um, And don't make it about me in the process Mm. so if I text her I'm reaching out to her and she doesn't respond I think our brains immediately go to oh she's mad at me she doesn't want to talk to me it's you know we think what is it about me it's not about me Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's about her and what she's going through and when I can remind myself of that then I reach out more and I love better when I stop making it about me Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm. that's true is there anything else you can think you want to add on either the practical calling or Ugh, any of the stuff we've talked about. Yeah, I, I, the practical part is, is hard, I think, because it's going to look different for everybody as to what helps. Obviously, for the three of us, having that mentor-type person that kind of walked the road with us was really helpful. Um, some people love to read books. You know, they, mm-hmm. They're going to be able to find good resources, so look for authors that you really trust. Um, you can do different personality profiles if you're thinking, I don't really even know myself that well yet. Um, there's a lot of that available. Mm-hmm. Enneagram, like we've said, is really big right now. Um, so don't be afraid to find out more about who you are. Sometimes we let the fear hold us back from even just knowing uh, more about ourselves mm. um, and know that God created you on purpose. You were not a mistake. <laughs> you were made the way you are for a purpose, for a reason, and for a good reason. <laughs> like You mm-hmm. are reflecting God's glory um, in some way. And finding out more about yourself is going to teach you more about what that looks like for you um, and how that's going to affect your calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that as Christians, the most important thing we can remember um, is that we are one in whom Christ dwells and delights. So he lives in us. He delights in us. It's his joy to walk this road with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where our joy comes from, knowing that we always have somebody there walking the road with us, whether it's getting harder or easier, he's there. And his kingdom cannot be shaken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, his kingdom is safe, which means we are always safe. So when it feels hard and it feels like we're unsafe, we still live in that unshakable kingdom of God. So let me ask you two things I'm thinking. One, if people did want to find a mentor, how do you advise going about something like that? Mm-hmm. And two, I'm going to make this a little tough, sorry. Two, um, what are some of the books or podcasts or whatever that you mm-hmm. think are 
are wise or good ideas to have to look into if you're looking into finding more about yourself yeah absolutely well for people who are local or even maybe not for that matter um people who are looking for a mentor there is this soul architecture program that we have talked about many times um so we'll just put in a little plug for it yeah <laughs> to know that that's it really what we've all is. done yes <laughs> we've all walked this road uh that's called soul architecture um uh, it was designed by our pastor who we mm-hmm. trust very much um and it it really is a process of finding out what your gospel identity is mm-hmm. um and i said that to a woman once something about my gospel identity and she goes oh, what is a gospel identity and how do I get one? (laughs) I thought that is really the answer we're all asking, right? Okay, so we've all done soul architecture and it's it's, like you said, a program in our Mm -hmm. church. And if you guys want more information about that, you can always reach out and and email us, talesofmoxie at gmail.com and we can kind of show you where to go about anything like that. But um, anyway, so what what else were you thinking and saying? Are there books or podcasts or anything like that 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 maybe would be a good idea for this concept. Yeah, yeah those things have, have helped me a lot. I think for people who are in their head a lot of the time, um, these are going to be really helpful. Um, so some of the authors we've already mentioned, Emily P. Freeman has a few really great books, and she's the one who does the Next Right Thing podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have, it comes out every Tuesday. So every Tuesday as I'm going to pick up my kids, I'm usually listening to her like 12 to 13 minutes. Um, and they're just really refreshing. It's just kind of a, a space for your soul to breathe. <laughs> And so it's kind of a, a way to um, pause, as we've been talking about, mm-hmm. and, and slow down and really think through things. Um, another one is um, Things Above, done by mm-hmm. James Bryan Smith. Um, again, really short, and it's based on the verse, I believe is in Colossians, talks about how we should be thinking about things above. Like, that's where our, our thoughts should be going on a daily basis, um, the things that God would want us to be thinking of. And so he does a great job of just providing a, a statement um, and like God loved us first um, mm-hmm. is a great example. Um, and then just talks about what that means, you know, for about 10, 12 minutes, um, kind of gives us a way to focus on things above. Um, and there are a lot of other authors that I really love. Um, Dallas Willard is amazing. He's very difficult to read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, John Ortberg has written basically a lot of Dallas Willard's concepts, but kind of in a much more reachable way. Um, so if you are really into books, the Apprentice series that he has written um, would be a great way to, to start in terms of, of what to read and how to go about the process. Um, and then lastly, the Enneagram. Enneagram mm-hmm. is um, it's popular right now, so it's pretty easy to find a lot of different resources on it. Um, but if you're trying to figure out more about who you are, how you specifically were created, that's a great way to start is Google Enneagram. You're going to find a lot of resources about that. Yeah, and that's played a huge role in all three of our mm-hmm. journeys, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us. I Thank you for here. sharing your ideas. Thank you, ladies. It, truly, it has been a joy to talk with you, and I'm so grateful for your podcast and for just the words of truth that you are speaking into the lives of the women who are listening and men. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for you. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. Thank you.